You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're tracking this Thursday evening. We finally got a chance to hear from Bradley Chubb and Andy Janovich on Thursday. What were your impressions from those two pressers? Um, that Vance Joseph was as bad as we thought he was, Chad, and that there was a, lot, a supreme lack of accountability and responsibility. And everything we presumed about the Vance Joseph era, they've confirmed today. It was that bad and that eye-opening for me. Yeah. Bradley Chubb, just he talked, both of them actually shared their observation that with Vic Fangio, and who knows, we probably shouldn't read too much into this quite yet because it is a new staff, right? And everyone's on their best behavior, first impressions, all that. So it's it's incumbent on the coaching staff to maintain this level of expectation from what I'm about to explain to you. But both Chubb and Janovich talked about how guys are getting in there early instead of some guys kind of rolling into the meeting room with a couple seconds left to go at the top of the hour, whatever. Guys are getting there five minutes early and the meeting's starting five minutes early and just kind of an overall feeling of, you know, getting back to the grind and, you know, we got an adult, we got someone we can rely on as a coach, someone we look up to and respect as opposed to Vance Joseph, the so-called leader of men. I just love the one word going around about Vic Fangio this week is no nonsense. I know it's two words and old school. It's two more words. But the same thing I've been parroting the last couple months, the same reason that the Broncos knocked this hire out of the park, he's the only guy that can whip them back into shape. And I think Janovich said it best. He said, Vic is a no-nonsense guy, old school. We're going to work hard. Not saying we didn't work hard last year, but I think people are excited about the changes. It's going to be good. Janovich is saying exactly what he says he's not saying, Chad. Mm -hmm. He said exactly what Shubb is saying. It just, To me, it just confirms everything you and I both thought about, how bad it really was last year behind the scenes. Yeah, and I like that guys, you know, you, you the, the whole old school thing. I mean, there's a there's something to be said for fear, okay, the fear of authority. And obviously last season and the last two seasons, no one really feared Vance Joseph. And obviously mm-hmm. with Vic Fangio, you look at him and, you know, he looks like a very serious man that does not suffer fools, basically. And so you've got that combined with the fact that everyone wants to make a good impression on the new coach. And it all kind of has the Broncos players, these veterans, on their toes and in ship shape and showing up early, with the exception of our boy, Strap Harris. That's right. And we can't really blame him for that, Chad. I don't I don't know about you, but I don't hold any ill will toward Chris Harris no. Jr. I think he's well within his right to hold out. And other than that, though, I mean, everyone has already bought into Fangio's message, Chad. And at this point in the juncture, I mean, it's only April 4th, and they're coming off two horrible seasons. A lot of the players are beleaguered, and he's coming right away and really deodorized that stink from the Vance Joseph era quickly. And I give him a lot of credit for it, and it's even faster than, thought, than I thought he would even do it. Uh, it's just incredible at this point to get all the players to kind of toe the company line and preach the same message when he's only been in office, you know, behind the big chair for a couple months. From now on, he shall be known as Vic 
Febreze, Fangio, <laughs> like clearing it. out the stank of Vance <laughs> Joseph. Well, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great week to kind of get some buzz and some observations and some storylines coming out of Dove Valley. And I'm sure there's a lot on y'all's mind. And today, of course, is Friday. So you're listening to this on Friday anyway. And so it's VIP mailbag time. We're going to find out what's on your mind. We're going to help you exercise the demons. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Really easy to do. You can find it on a browser. You can find it on a mobile app. At Huddle Up Pod, that's how you can keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then again, big shout out to everybody who has heeded our call to action on iTunes, leaving your creative review and your five-star rating. It's making a big difference. We're inching ever closer to our goal of getting to 200 ratings on iTunes between now and the draft. So if you haven't taken time and you listen on iTunes, please just take a second, leave a creative review, Rate the show. Give us those five stars. Great way to help us grow and reach new listeners. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so it is that time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the VIP edition of the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And sometimes you all just need to, you know, exercise the demons, get things off your chest, clear the air. And that's what we're here for, give you some direction and, and a platform and an opportunity to do that. Now, Really quickly, if you guys are wondering what VIP is about, many of you listening are not VIP subscribers at milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports. It's really easy to do. You go to the website, milehighhuddle.com. You look for the green banner. says VIP. Click that. You can either sign up for a monthly option. It's like 6 bucks, Or you can do um, the annual option. And you go through, sign up, create your account. You're locked in. 
From there, you get access to 100% of the content we produce on the website, which includes all of our Broncos film reviews and film study, all of our in-depth scouting reports on the draft class, any of the long-form, deep-dive type of analytical content that we produce on the front page. And then you also get access to our VIP Insider Forum. It's called MHH Insiders. And that's where we share all the buzz we pick up. That's where we're available, each and every one of our staff, both Zach and I, Eric Trickle, Nick Kendall, Carl, all the guys are available on the MHH Insiders Forum for you, our VIPs, to set, you know ask your questions, bounce things off us. Anything that we hear about what the Broncos are doing, buzz on the pre-draft trail, we share it there. We don't put it on the front page. We share it in the MHH Insiders Forum, so only the VIPs get it. And then, of course, once a week, Zach and I put a thread in MHH Insiders, a call out for the Friday VIP mailbag where VIPs only get to ask questions and we answer them on Friday. So it's easy to do. Again, go to the site, find the green banner, click through, sign up. You'll be locked in. Another phenomenal way to support the show and allow Zach and I to continue to bring this content to you, both written, audio, video, on a daily basis. All right, so let's take a look at the first question here. Zach, it comes from our friend Stud Lee. He's going on four months as a VIP subscriber. He says, how much is Chris Harris looking for? And what are the cap implications for a contract extension? And Zach, before I serve this over to you, I, what I said on yesterday's show, he's taken nothing less than $11 million a year, which is what <laughs> Kareem Jackson. And I mean nothing less. So probably more like 12 13 is probably what he's looking for, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say that has to be his minimum baseline, his floor, his negotiating point is Kareem Jackson, which is $11 million per year. And Harris is more decorated. He has more star power. And I believe more ability and nothing taking away from Kareem Jackson. Uh, he deserves to get paid. Uh, 11 to me, would even be a good value for Chris Harris Jr. I don't even think he would take that. Knowing how this has played out, Chad, I would think he wanted to be paid more than Kareem Jackson, if only for optics. You know, so I would say 12 and a half, maybe 13 a year for a short term deal. Uh, that's probably incentive laden would get it done, uh, but nothing less than 11. I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, he deserves to get paid. And, you know, we talked a lot about this this concept late last season when Matt Paradis's future was up in the air and then he broke his leg and it became even more in doubt that the homegrown guys who succeed, the guys that you developed as a team, the guys that rise above and help you contribute to have, you know, the championship or winning stockpiling individual accolades, those are the guys that the team needs to pay. You know, you let Matt Paradis go. I understand why there are some big concerns about his ability to stay healthy in the future you know, juxtaposed with the type of money he was out, he was looking for. And he, they, the Broncos knew there were going to be other teams willing to pay him a lot more than they were. So I understand in that case why you had to let Matt Paradis go. Chris Harris, you got to pay this dude. You got to pay him. Going on his ninth season with the Broncos, and it's going to be, it's going to be nothing less than $11 million. That's That's just the way it is. Now, next question here, Zach, comes from Arctic Bronco going on three months as a VIP subscriber. He says, the running back article, I think this is something that uh, Eric Trickle published, stated that Bryce Love, this is the Stanford running back, could be a candidate for a late round red shirt type of season on the injured reserve. Who are some other candidates for this draft philosophy? It is not unreasonable to assume that the Broncos will do this because they got Jake Butt with a fifth and Trevor Simeon with a seventh. So, I mean, there's two candidates that jump out to me. You already mentioned one, Arctic Bronco, and that's Bryce Love. 
And there's also Jeffrey Simmons. Now, Jeffrey Simmons was projected to be right in there with your Quinnen Williams and your Ed Olivers in terms of top five, top ten caliber picks before he tore his ACL preparing for the draft. And so he's he's not been able to do anything else in terms of preparing for the NFL draft. He's no longer going to go top ten. But if you're a team like the Broncos who, you know, maybe you're able to get him in the second round, I honestly think some team's going to take him in the late first just because of the upside down the road. But if you're a team that can get him and, you know, let's say the Broncos who are picking early in round two and they see that Simmons has fallen and he's there late round one, maybe that's a scenario, Zach, where you make a trade to get back into the top of round one and now you've got a top five caliber defensive tackle to plug into your defense, albeit from 2020 and beyond. Yeah, he mentioned two examples with Bud and Simeon. They also did it with Fumagalli last year. So Elway is very much um, in in favor of having a player Richard for a year. It's not ideal to take Simmons in the first round, Chad. That wouldn't be my preferred uh, draft route. But it would make sense with Derek Wolf probably on his last legs or nearing them. Adam Gottes doesn't do much. Demarcus Walker still a kind of a non-entity. Simmons is the guy uh, that I was going to say, so you kind of stole him from me. But I talked to Bryce Love at the combine actually, and he met with the Broncos. He said he had a really good meeting with them. That might be a guy that he 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 can play or not play, but he can help out on special at running back. They're not going to all be day one contributors. That's always the goal, but they're always looking for the future. They have to keep the, the cupboard stocked because they have a lot of different free agent stuff going on next year, um, expiring contracts. You mentioned Simmons. I would also think Love will be in the consideration also, just based on what he suggested to me about how he really bonded with the, the Denver officials in that meeting in the time that they had. Hmm. I mean, he's definitely an attractive running back for the Denver Broncos because he comes from a pro-style system there at Stanford. And he had that one season in which he rushed for over 2,000 yards at Stanford. I mean, it was unbelievable. So he's a very talented back. And I know reading Eric Trickle's scouting report, uh, which was a kind of a Cliff Notes version of his full scouting report, but nevertheless a scouting report, that Bryce Love can kind of do it all. You know, he's a multi-tool running back so if you can get him in the mid to late rounds by all means that's a guy you take you take a flyer on and similarly like with Jake but you know so far he's had really bad luck as a as a pro but if he manages to keep the and fend off the injury bug in 2019 and beyond I mean he has the potential to be a tight end one in the NFL I mean he was projected to be a early day two pick before he suffered that ACL tear in his final game at Michigan. So Bryce Love, I really like him. Jeffrey Simmons as well fits that same type of approach. But with Jeffrey Simmons, obviously, Zach, you'd have to be willing to pay a little bit more of a premium probably to get him, you know, even though it would be you're hedging for the future, you're still going to have to pay a premium in the in the present. It would be a luxury pick, and that's not why I would advocate for it. They have many other needs, many other immediate needs, and, and to take Simmons and to stash him away for a year, um, that's uh, th- something that the Patriots would do, and the Broncos are not the Patriots right now. All right, next question here comes from Paul, 826, going on four months as a VIP subscriber at milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports. How would the priest feel if Denver moved down to 25 range for Jeffrey Simmons? Or I think he's saying here also Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State. Brett Rippon, Jarrett Stidham at 41, and the other second rounder on wide receiver Paris Campbell. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for the great work. So I think what he's getting at here is how would you feel if the – I mean, this kind of piggybacks on what Arctic Bronco was talking about. I would – 
I don't know if, if I would be too thrilled, Zach, if they traded down to the 25 range in the first round and then took Simmons. And I, I mean, if they took their top, top 10 pick and then at, in the second round, they're seeing Simmons fall. They're, you know, not in the second round, but they have their early second round pick and it's still the first round. They're seeing Simmons fall and they trade back up into the first round to get Simmons. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I would be fine with that. I would be disappointed though if they, if they traded back and Simmons was their pick, because they need impact now. If you're not going to get a quarterback at 10, you need impact now. I mean, I don't want the Broncos to trade down, and I don't want Simmons in the first round. So this scenario to me is a non-go from the jump. Um, in, in terms of Bradbury, I'd be okay with alignment. I'd be more comfortable with maybe Reisner hoping he falls or maybe trading back up for him in the second round, back up in the first round. Uh, Bradbury is a good player, but you need it, – it's a very non-sexy pick to me. I think you need a – um, an impact player there, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a, a corner or safety, whatever. I think trading down and taking an alignment uh, wouldn't go over very well in Broncos country. By the way, did you hear what Bradley Chubb had to say about Garrett Bradbury on Thursday? It was really cool, actually, quite insightful. I'm going to play the clip really quick. Here's what Bradley Chubb said about Garrett Bradbury. Uh, yeah, Garrett was fun to go against uh, because he was he had that, that competitive edge every practice. Um, I remember as a defense, he used to always talk trash to the offense in, in practice, pick little fights and stuff like that, and Garrett would be the first one like just stepping up to us. So that competitive nature that he has, that, that dog that he has in him, uh, I can't wait to see how that translates to the NFL. So, Zach, Garrett Bradbury – now, you need that kind of a dog on your offensive line, but he also happens to be the top center in this class and fits the zone blocking scheme perfectly. He does, but then we're assuming that they want to put McGovern at guard and not center. Uh, that assumes that the board plays out a certain way. Obviously, they're going to go to Chubb and get his scouting report and take his opinion into consideration. Uh, my preference or my personal my feeling is that I don't think they're going to trade down and then take a lineman, even though if they do – that would be my preferred pick is to shore up that spot. And I, I'm all for it. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, I'd rather have McGovern at guard than play center. So plugging in a natural day one center, Chad, I think that'd be a win. And then this other idea that Paul brings up about in the you know pick 41 in the second round, Brett Rippon, Jarrett Stidham, brings up the wide receiver, Paris Campbell. I still would be okay with the Broncos coming away with Rippon or Stidham. My preference would be in round three. Yes. If you can. If you can. Agreed. And I wouldn't knee-jerk or reach to get either in round two if you can. Now, maybe Stidham, I could live with it, ripping the earliest round three. And if you go back, there was an excellent article published on milehighhuddle.com, I believe it was Wednesday, in which Thomas Hall dropped some major knowledge in terms of the analytics. He went and did a research dating all the way back, I think, nine seasons of drafts, and looked at the analytics of what guys succeeded, what position succeeded, which didn't, where are you best where are your odds the best to hit on certain positions at different places in the draft? And really, I'll let you guys go read it because it's a very long-form, nuanced report and article. But the main takeaway, Zach, is that when you really boil it down at pick 10, you need to either take a quarterback, a defensive lineman, or an offensive tackle because anything other than those three in the top 10, the drop-off after that is significant. So I think... It kind of reshaped my my view on the whole quarterback issue. I still want the Broncos, above all else, to get a quarterback at 10 if it's feasible, if they can, if one is there. Uh, not, And I'm talking about the top three. Otherwise, wait and let the board fall to you. You know, if your guy's there with the value, you know, if you have a third-round grade on, on Stidham, for example, wait till the third round. And if someone else takes him earlier, oh, well. 
Yeah, I'm really with you on all counts, Chad. Uh, Rippon, to me, in the seconds, way too early. And Stidham, that's a little borderline for me. I'm confident in saying that one of them will be there in the third round. That's where I would take them. On uh, the second, I would go for more impact player that you don't take in the first. Uh, but I'm, I, we've been agreeing on this for the last you know, two or three months that I want a QB at 10 if possible. And if not, then maybe uh, a, a linebacker or a lineman, something other than um, uh, you know, a, a non-sexy pick. So I'm right there with you on all counts. All right, we still have many excellent questions to get to from the VIPs. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So the next question here comes from CU Buff in Texas, longtime VIP, over 165 months he's been a VIP, great supporter of the site and the, the pod. He says, could Chris Harris be on the trading block during the draft? There's a good chance the Broncos will have a shot at a high-quality corner in round two, and given the scheme change and age, might Harris be a guy they look to move a year or two early rather than being saddled with a contract that keeps him here a couple of years too long. So kind of the same philosophy Belichick tends to employ is he'd rather get rid of a guy a year early than hang on to a guy, you know, a year or two too long. So do you think Chris Harris legitimately, I mean, obviously Elway's always going to listen when the phone rings, but in terms of actively trying to shop him, do you think the Broncos will put Harris on the block? Um, I'm sure they'll listen and I'm sure teams will call, but I think it's so foolish to even consider it, even consider trading away and stripping your defense of a, an established all pro player, Chad, for an unknown quantity. So I'm not for that at all. And now I'm starting to think because the Broncos actually got some breaking news. The Broncos signed Devontae Bosby, but Bosby, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, from the AAF, the cornerback there. Yeah. So now I'm thinking with their depth chart, that says to me, that signals to me that cornerback is not an early need now. They're good there. They've added three this offseason. They have Isaac Yadam. So I don't think he's going to be traded. Even if he's not, they're not going to go quarterback early now with this news coming out. And uh, and have Chris Harris Jr. in the fold, it's only going to make the defense better. Yeah, so Bosby was with the San Antonio Commanders. And this is, I'll just read you a tweet that comes from Nikki Jabala. Undrafted corner. He's six foot two. He's 190 pounds. So he's very similar to Isaac Yadam in terms of size, an inch taller. The Broncos could use some length on the outside because Yadam's 6'1", but both everyone else from Chris Harris on down to Callahan and Jackson, they're all under 5'11". So getting Bosby, that's a good get. He had five interceptions in the AAF this year. So, And he's a former Fangio guy in a sense. He's a guy that bounced around on the practice squad of the Bears post-2015, even played a little bit with the Chiefs and Eagles. Uh, as he's trying to make his way as a pro. So I agree with you, man. Like, you know, in that mock draft I did, I took Rock Yasin to hedge against any possibility that things could go sideways with Chris Harris. And, you know, I'm not sure I would do it again. I'm not sure I would take a corner that high. And we'll see how it shakes out on my final mock that I do here in a week or two. But I tend to agree with you on that, Zach, that I think the Broncos, you know, they're going to listen. But there's no real urgency to, to make a move on Chris Harris because he's he should still be a pivotal role in terms of leadership. He's still in his prime. 
So I would hold on to them. I'd pay them like we already said and uh, move on to the next issues. Now, this next question comes from Bronco in New England. Interesting. Going on four months as a VIP subscriber. This is someone I'm not all that familiar with. So Bronco in New England, as you're listening to this show, here's a, here's a call to action for you. Make yourself more uh, known on the MHH Insiders Forum. You know, comment, engage in the conversation, let us get to know you. But here's his or her question. I'm not sure if it's male or female here. Are there any players, Zach, who were mainly practice squad players last year that you think have a chance to take a big step forward and make a contribution on the active roster this year? Maybe Alexander Johnson. That's an option, right, Zach, including uh, our boy Jeffrey Holland. Right. Holland, and, and, and that's my biggest one right there. That's my breakout candidate. And um, also a couple outside linebackers, Aaron Wallace. I'm talking real deep sleeper guys. Trey Marshall at safety. Uh, Shamarco Thomas at safety. They have a lot of – Demonte Thomas, of course, who doesn't get a lot of uh, publicity in that in that back end. They have some defensive playmakers that I think um, Fangio's going to love to mold. And he kind of turned um, Aaron Lynch into a start outside linebacker. And I feel like that's what he's not a star, but at least a contributor, Chad. Yeah. And I feel like that's what he's going to do with Jeff Holland. So uh, among the practice squad players, by far, that's my breakout player for 2019. Yeah. I think uh, those are two good candidates. It, I'm really interested to see how the form, the player formerly known as A.J. Johnson fits in with uh, Vic Fangio because he's more of a Todd Davis than he is, say, uh, Danny Trevathan. You know, he's big and tall. He's downhill guy. He's very strong, and he's very he's got a lot of power, and he's he's good at shedding blocks. And he you know he had a nice career there at Tennessee before he got into trouble. But I'm not sure he's a great coverage guy who can you know flip his hips and turn around and and tail tight ends and and wide receivers underneath so we'll see I mean you don't know we haven't really hardly seen anything from Alexander Johnson except a couple of plays on on special teams but those are the two guys to monitor Jeff Holland and Alexander Johnson and especially Holland because the Broncos have zero depth behind Miller and Chubb so he's going to get some snaps unless they sign some veteran, you know, last minute or, or take a, a uh, edge rusher higher in the draft, which I don't foresee happening. They'll take an edge rusher in this class, but probably mm. not till the mid to late rounds. All right, next question here comes from great friend of the show, Jedi Joshua 58 going on four months as a VIP. Joshua says, what do you guys think Elway does if the board doesn't fall his way and he's not able to get any interior defensive linemen with Shelby Harris, Adam Gotsis, and Derek Wolf?" playing in a contract year in 2019. Zach, what do you say? Uh, does that assume that he's angling for a defensive lineman among everything else? I, that's if the, I mean, the board is going to go how it goes, and he has different scenarios uh, based on how one to nine goes in the draft. I mean, trading down would be his last resort, I feel like. I feel like he wants to stay at that spot and get the best player available because he's sure to land a, a player more than likely – um, barring a doomsday scenario at a player of need. D- defensive line, I don't think that's his number one priority. So if, if he misses out on uh, Oliver or Quinn and Williams, he's not going to cry himself to sleep. He'll get another player. But uh, playing devil's advocate, if the board doesn't fall his way, trading Turn down back. I think would be the yep. best bet. Yeah, stockpile some capital so he had a good player and uh, go on from there. Yeah, I mean, but he's not wrong that, you know, the premium – if because when you're picking in the top ten, I mean, you this this goes for the first round in general, but – teams picking in the bottom third of the first round have a lot more leeway than teams picking in the top 10. And when you're in the top 10, man, you got to hit on those picks. And the analysis shows, the analytics show, based on what Hall, Thomas Hall researched and based on other forms of analytics, that you need to go quarterback, defensive line, or 
offensive tackles. So the Broncos don't need another offensive tackle at 10. I, I think we'd all be very disappointed if they took an OT at 10. In fact, I'd maybe question whether or not people deserve to have their jobs if they take yes. an offensive tackle at 10. But I think it really, this time around, I think it's going to come down to D-line, quarterback, and and whether or not Devin White's there. Maybe Devin Bush, too. So if it doesn't fall his way, I think Elway will explore any and all opportunities to trade back. So next question comes from Vertical Socks, going on 13 months as a VIP subscriber. It seems like the past few years the Broncos' draft plans leaked out. Last year, we all knew that they had a trade down in place with Buffalo that they would execute unless Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, or Bradley Chubb fell. The year before, everyone knew the Broncos were eyeing Garrett Bowles. The year before that, everyone knew they were eyeing Paxton Lynch. This year, no one seems to know. Even people like Benjamin Albright admit that they're just guessing. Is this a result of Denver still being uncertain about what they want to do? Or is there more of a culture of secrecy with Fangio, uh, the Fangio regime, Zach? It's both, and also the fact that the Broncos doing well in free agency and setting themselves up to go best player available in the draft. That's what it is. They don't know who they want to take it. They have a board. They have scenarios. But obviously, until April 25th rolls around, they don't know yet, and they're not going to leak it out. I, I mean, the one thing about Elway, while he's been more open about himself and more critical about himself, he's still uh, very secretive, playing his cards close to the vest. And even Fangio admitted that some of these pre-draft visits are smoke screens. Yeah. So they're all about gamesmanship right now, and I like it. I like that, the, the very secretive nature. I think it adds a, a little bit of extra to the draft, a little more uh, mystique. But I think it's a combination, though, of them doing well. And really, they don't have any glaring, super glaring holes right now. I mean, if you think about it. So I think they've done well um, to go BPA. The biggest hole they have is they don't have a franchise quarterback of the future. I mean, they did immediate a good job hole. in free agency. I agree with you. Fill in the immediate roster needs. You're not going to find a franchise quarterback of the future in free agency. There is no such thing as a franchise quarterback in free agency. There's, it just doesn't exist. Peyton Manning is the exception that proves that rule. And that doesn't take away from my optimism in Joe Flacco, but it's one of those believe-it-when-you-see-it type of things. So the Broncos need to hedge for the future. We've been saying it on this podcast for months now. They need to come out of this draft with a quarterback. But to the point that Vertical Sox is making and what you said there too, Zach, I agree, it's both. It's a little bit of both. And I think last season they were so focused on Darnold and Mayfield well, let's, let's reverse that, Mayfield and then Darnold, hmm. that they really didn't expect Bradley Chubb to be there at five, especially with Cleveland picking twice and, and Chubb being the top-rated defensive player on the board. for I mean, that was kind of a consensus. So they didn't expect it, and I think what last season taught Elway is that you kind of have to go be – you set your board, you do your due diligence and all, but you kind of have to go into the draft just guns blazing and just see what happens. Like, you can't – if, if you're too agenda-focused, you can go out into the weeds. You, you kind of got to let the draft come to you. Now, the exception to that would be, Zach, if the Broncos are head over heels in love with one of the quarterbacks. And if that's the case, then you go into the draft and you got to do whatever it takes to get that quarterback. Yeah, I think it feels different than last year because last year was a more quarterback-heavy class. The Broncos were at number five. Most fans thought they would go for a quarterback. And they didn't even think about drafting Chubb at all. They had no scenario in which they, he fell to them. Uh, they had trade in place, a trade down in place, a trade up they were looking into. They didn't meet with them at the combine. They don't know until that board it falls together on draft day. 
Um, but I agree with you. Quarterback of the future is obviously a need. I've been one of Flacco's biggest uh, detractors on this podcast among Broncos Twitter. I just think immediately, though, them doing, I think, well in free agency for the immediate needs for 2019, it set them up to the point where let's just see what happens and we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Last question here comes from Dylan West. He's been a VIP subscriber for 51 months, a longtime supporter of Mile High Huddle, and he stuck with us, our transition to 24-7 sports and the empire we're building. Dylan's been there from the get. His question, Zach, is with the interior defensive line being almost all free agents next year, which Jedi Joshua alluded to earlier, I think the potentially trading back up into end of the first round for a guy like Jeffrey Simmons would make a lot of sense for the Broncos. Interesting how much this is a topic on the VIP's mind today. I don't think that would happen, Dylan says, but who are some D linemen in the draft we can expect our Elway to target, even some undrafted free agents? Now, you're talking to the wrong guys if you want to know like the, the real diamonds in the rough guys, seventh and eighth rounds caliber guys, the college free agents. You know, go talk to Eric and, and Nick and Carl. They're 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 better informed to give you that information. But here's what we learned at the combine. They're the Broncos are talking to all the defensive linemen. Okay. The guys to keep an eye on include Dalen Mack and Kingsley Kiki, the two guys from Texas AM, Rennell Wren from Arizona State. There's a few more in terms of mid to late round guys, but that's I think that's a position at that, you know, there's a reason why this is on the mind of everybody. The Broncos have three starter, all three of their projected starters are in a contract year, so that's definitely a position they have to hedge for the future this time around, Zach. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't despise trading down or trading back up into the first for Simmons. I just wouldn't love it either. I think you can get an impact player now, and it's a pretty deep class if they know where to look and they have the best DL coach in the business, Chad. Uh, Kings, like you mentioned, though, he's going to have a pre-draft visit with the Broncos. He mailed it up at the Combine. Uh, obviously, there's interest there. So if there's one mid-round name to keep in mind or whatever, we're not the huge draft guys like you said, Chad. So if there's one you know, non-first-round name to keep in mind, I think Kiki's the guy. Yeah, I mean, there's the early guys most everybody knows from your Quinn and Williams to Ed Oliver. There's Christian Wilkins probably doesn't get enough love. Draymond Jones, the Broncos are visiting with him, the Ohio State kid. You know, those are the day one, early day two guys. And there are Sweat. There, there's a few guys later on. Who? Montez Sweat. Right, but he's more of an edge, right? That's he's, true, yeah. He's more of an edge. Another guy to keep an eye on, but you probably have to be willing to spend a second-round pick is Zach Allen and the Boston College kid who modeled his game after Derek Wolf. So there's definitely some options there, and I think that the Broncos this time around, it's such a deep class. We'll see what they do at pick 10, but if they go quarterback or linebacker at 10, they can afford to do that because they can get some quality depth at defensive tackle later on in the draft, Zach. And I'm comfortable with it because of the coaching staff in place, Chad. If it all comes down to that, they have Vic Fangio now, and they have Bill Kalar. And between them, they can take a sixth, seventh rounder and turn them into a starter. Same thing with Vance Joseph did with Shelby Harris. So I'm not concerned there. Um, if they don't, if they miss out on a defensive lineman in the first round, they will get a good one in the later rounds. Yeah, but that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast VIP Mile High Mailbag Edition. Been another great week of podcasting. Appreciate all you guys for listening and doing your part to support the show, sharing it out on social media leaving reviews, rating the show on iTunes. You guys, you're awesome. Zach and I are continually just flabbergasted at the support we receive on the podcast. And it's because of you guys 
that it's all possible what we're able to do on a day in and day out basis. It's symbiotic. Without you guys, the whole thing crumbles. So we appreciate your support. But in the meantime, Building the Broncos are going to be back with an episode for you on Saturday. I'm sure it'll be draft-oriented, and so look forward to that. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach Kelberman, my partner, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a great weekend, you guys. We'll be back on Monday with a fresh episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.